Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's edition of the Ninth State Sports Show. My name is Joe Marcellina. For the next half hour, I'm going to be talking some NHIA football, getting ready for the championship games this weekend, weekend with Sauhegan coach Mike Lockman. Joining me once again, we're down at uh, Riverside Barbecue here on Main Street in Nashua. A little quiet in here today because they're undergoing some uh, finishing up their renovations. Uh, should be open for good uh, starting tomorrow, uh, Thursday, November 17th <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're listening to this now um so yeah let's jump right into it uh, yeah coach uh again once again thanks for joining me it's uh i feel like this has become a regular thing now yeah you know i'm gonna what are we gonna do you know once football season's over well we'll have to come down here and get some barbecue just that's some right, right. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's been uh, that's been that's been part of the fun <laughs> um you know we're we're looking at these last three football games on saturday uh of course all three championship games at unh for the uh, third straight year um, I, which I think is a, a perfect way to end the season, um, getting yeah. to see all three of these games. Um, before we get to that, though, I want to go back a little bit to last weekend because I think last Saturday, after what was kind of a, a, an uneventful first week, you know, other, aside from Bo upsetting John Stark in Division Two, you had the Exeter South quarterfinal that was a very close game, a pretty boring quarterfinal weekend. Yeah. And then last week was just – chaos yeah what a, <laughs> what a great weekend for football in new hampshire huh um you know between some of the upsets that we saw that you know you you know as a as a coach a guest on a show you never want to throw predictions out there but <laughs> but obviously you know you, you look at these these guys and you say well you know i would suspect this team would have the advantage over that team and stuff and boy some teams prove that they've got uh they've got that out for us because uh because it was a really really cool weekend for football yeah, I had a couple people chirping, uh, chirping at me <laughs> on bet. Twitter. Uh, even suggested maybe maybe we should all get fired. Uh, I from, saw that. from our picks. I did see that. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. but which is you know which is funny. You know, it's ta- it's taken six years. I think that's the first that anyone suggested that. So that's <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but yeah, you look around and and of course you had the two overtime games in Division One with Exeter beating North twenty three twenty in overtime, Bedford completing what I. Still, I'm kind of in shock as yeah. to how they came back uh, from a 20 to seven deficit, beat Merrimack 27-20 in overtime. Uh, you've got Division Two where Plymouth goes down and and beats Wyndham 20 to 18 on a blocked field goal with uh, you know on the last play of the game. Yeah. Uh, on the other side, you have Bo, who was in Division Three last year, jumping up. They're now in the finals. They have uh, knockoff Hanover, so they they took out the two and the three seeds. You got yeah. Plymouth taking out the five and the one. Now you got them in the finals, and then in Division Three, probably the most unthinkable thing happening there with Stevens upsetting Monadnock, you know, and then on the other side, Interlakes Moultonboro getting back to the final for the second straight year, beating Bishop Brady. Yeah, uh, you know, you look at it, and that's aside from Division One, that's all of the road teams pulling out wins. I, I can't. That never happens. No, and then like you said, you add the dimension of the 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 two OT games in Division One. I, I mean. It's, I would I would guess it's been a while that there's been overtime in a in a semifinal game in New Hampshire. Usually that's that's a rarity throughout right. the course of the yeah. season. You might yeah. have a couple OT games to have two on one day in the semifinals. Well, and then it's the huge. three one of the Division three the Interlakes Brady that's game right. went to to right. overtime too. Three playoff overtimes out of six games. It's, yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. If you were a fan this weekend, you got a lot to see. Um, yeah, yeah, I was I was. Uh, I, I, I think I watched the game that you watched, which was the Bedford Merrimack game. Mm-hmm. Um, what a classic that ended up being. Funny, funny thing about that game at, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, after Merrimack scored and made it to twenty to seven, 
was with a, a colleague on the sidelines who said to me, uh, looking at the other scores from the other games, saying, wow, we may be at the worst game of the day in terms yeah. of, of margin. And then next thing you know, it, it's a Bedford win. I, I'm, I'll be honest, I, I did not think, even up until the last play of regulation where Bedford scored to tie it, that they were going to come back and win that game. They just they hadn't looked good on offense. Um, they really struggled to move the ball. Their only their first two touchdowns came off of Merrimack interceptions. One game they had the ball at the Merrimack seventeen to start. You know, the tough not the score there. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just it didn't look look good, and then all of a sudden they're in the yeah. final. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think what it was, and and uh, you know, I could be wrong as a spectator, right? But but uh, what you said was, I don't know if anybody would have believed that Bedford would have won. I think the only people in that stadium that probably believed that they were going to win was Bedford. And to me, it looked like they believed it very strongly. There was there was some kind of magic tied with momentum that kicked in in that second half, and they came alive. And and uh, and, and I, I mentioned that a couple weeks ago. I said, you know, Bedford oftentimes is, a, is an emotional team. They, they, they know how to get up for a game emotionally and then sustain that. That's been their history anyway since I've known them. Um, I think their staff does a good job of that. I think they have good leadership. And it seemed like um, they could have easily given up given the prowess and reputation that Merrimack has had through the course of the season. And there wasn't any give up. Uh, and, and once momentum started to go, there was some magic there that they, they just, you know, I, I'm sure in their minds they weren't going to be denied. And that was a pretty cool thing to watch. Um, and the Tomahawks should be proud of the way they finished their season. I, I, I know that was and probably still is very painful for them given the expectations they had for themselves and the type of team they were this year. But uh, a historic season for those guys uh, and, and, and a lot of fun to watch. I think they entertained a lot of people this year, so they should be proud. Yeah, certainly uh, certainly an entertaining offense that they had there. Yep. Um, but, I mean, just the, the opportunities that they came up short on, the five interceptions, the 15 yeah. penalties. Um, you know, I had them six times. They were inside Bedford's 25 yes. and came away with two touchdowns. On two of those drives, they had uh, uh, first and goal situations. Just yeah, and I f almost feel like, and, and and I thought this when they got to overtime that that may maybe was the worst situation for them, being ten yards or closer to the end zone because yeah. they're they're an offense that that really needs more of that space. Not just and not just that, but Bedford's defense seemed to get better the closer they seems to get better the closer they get to the goal line. And that was the case against Salem. Uh, two weeks ago, certainly we had talked about that yeah. at length. Actually, that that Bedford did a really good job of denying Salem when they got inside the the red zone, and particularly inside the ten. So that's a really good observation. That 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 may have been the worst case scenario for Merrimack to do what they did best, which was to use the field, to be wide open, to threaten vertically. Um, so so that's that's a good point. It might have been one of those things where you say, "Geez, overtime is, is not a good place for us to be." If you're Merrimack, no, no, I don't, I don't, you know, it, I, it was, I'm, I'm still, like I said, I'm still a little surprised at, at how that game played out because it was just, you know, if you look at the numbers, it was Merrimack's game, it was yep. there for them. And well, and I think it was, and and and, um, I could be wrong, and and Coach Jackson or any any of the guys that I know on that staff might <laughs> might disagree with me, but I I think we touched on it two or three weeks ago when we said how much of a factor is it when you get a team that hasn't been there for a long time. And if you look at Bedford, I mean, Bedford pencils They're in postseason. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and they've been in championship games in three different divisions uh, in recent history. And then you have Merrimack, who was, uh, again, an astoundingly talented team, but 
that they're not used to being in that situation. And, and that's part of the maturing process probably for that program and, and for some of those younger players. Um, it, it could very easily have been that. And, and that's very natural, right? There's, there's very little coaching or preparation as a player that you can do to overcome that. It, it, it is what it is sometimes. And uh, um, so maybe that had something to do with it too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Bedf- you mentioned that about Bedford. I mean, they, they first made the playoffs, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, 2011. Mm-hmm. Division three final. Next year, d- 2012, they're in the Division two final. Against Winnicott, yeah. Missed out um, on the playoffs almost kind of famously yeah, n- yeah, you know, which was in, in, in <laughs> 2013. Yep. Uh, in the final again, 2014, they were semifinalists last year, back there again this year. You know, we kind of look at them, I think, and say, oh, they're a powerhouse. This they're still looking for that first mm-hmm. championship, uh, and I think they're going to have their work cut out for them. This you know I you know you kind of yeah I, I looked at that game a little bit last week as maybe being like the Bedford Goffstown semifinal last year that the winner of this game is going to be the favorite going into the final. This game though Bedford Exeter I think might be a little bit closer than maybe uh, you know I might have expected two weeks ago. Yeah, y- you know at the risk of being a little uh, too technical as a coach, but you know. Uh, Bedford really struggled against Salem's inside run game a couple weeks ago, particularly fullback trap play and some off-tackle stuff that, that Salem executed pretty well with their, as we discussed, their backup running backs. And that is Exeter's go-to stuff on offense, fullback trap, a power off-tackle play where they kind of kick out and bring linemen, you know, a lineman through. And uh, so, I, I mean, I'm sure that, that, that Bedford will work ad nauseum against that type of stuff this week, but... Um, that's been Exeter's calling card for well over 15 years uh, in terms of what they do when they do very well. So that's very interesting to me in terms of how well that matchup is going to take place. Yeah. I think it'd be a very low-scoring game. Could uh, be. Very low-scoring game. Yeah. Um, you know, when you look at that, that game last week with Exeter and North, um, you know, a heck of a job, I think, by North just to come back and play that kind of game because that regular season game – you know, Exeter won, I believe, 42-6 to six or 42-7, and it was – I don't even know if it was that close because yeah. North's one score was on a, you know, a busted coverage on Exeter's end, big play, but Exeter had the ball for almost three-quarters of that game. They dominated up front, and then, you know, North comes out last week, and to get, get that close, mm-hmm. uh, it's probably heartbreaking for them to lose the way they did, but also maybe a little – Made me feel you know, they got to feel pretty good about that game. They should. I hope they do. They should. I mean, it, it's like you said when you go back and you look at the the earlier result. And as a coach, and and I know as players, when it's fresh in your mind, it's going to hurt. But when you look back on that, hopefully, um, Coach Lorendi and his staff and that that group of kids at North, when they look back on that, they should really see the progress that they made through the course of the season. I mean the. The two wins against Bishop Girton at the end of the season. Bishop Girton, regardless of what version of Bishop Girton they were this year, is always really good. Um, and then to show that kind of improvement from earlier in the season to now against Exeter um, and, and take that one right down to OT, um, that's a huge accomplishment. And, uh, again, I'm sure it's painful and that they probably don't want to hear that right now. Right. But, <laughs> but that's, that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's what you're really in it for is, is, is how much does that team improve? as the year goes on and uh they can hang their hats on that that's pretty special and yeah you look at what they've done in the in the past two years to to, to get it, getting back into the playoffs you know they'd been out of it for a couple of years uh Dante Lorendi comes in there takes over the program two years ago you know they were he was my pick last year as 
coach of the year for in the division, I thought, getting that program back in there. And then this year to be a semifinalist, um, next year will be an interesting year because they lose a lot of those uh, those pretty talented kids. And, of course, they still have the Thanksgiving Day game with uh, with South left, which should be a pretty good one. Yeah. Uh, hopefully the weather's a little bit better. They played in that first monsoon of the season back in September. Yeah. Um, so hopefully it's a little nicer next Wednesday when they play that one. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I hope there's a good turnout. I know the time change has got some Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm, yeah. I, I Personally, I like it. I, I like having – of course, I'm also not a morning person, so 10 o'clock on Thanksgiving morning was uh, – was always tough for <laughs> was me. I'm, pain I'm showing up, you know, list trying to, you know, as the game's starting, like right taking notes as I'm running into the stadium. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday night will be a nice. I, I I will enjoy that. More. Yeah. And I'm, I think they hope that the crowd gets there before they do their, you know, Thanksgiving Eve. Yes, their other festivities. You know, looking at Saturday. Um, you know, like we were saying, Bedford's defense is very good. Exeter's defense is very good. Um, you know, Bedford can certainly make explosive plays on offense, um, but how, you know, Exeter being so solid, I think maybe will limit that a little bit. Exeter doesn't really have that home run threat on offense. They can certainly score from, you know, this long distance, seen it happen. Yep. I, I really think it's going to be one of those maybe one possession, 10 7, yeah. you know, who makes a mistake yeah, at a bad yeah. time kind of thing. I, I agree. And, and I think where you really want to look for a matchup in that game is going to be Exeter's pass defense, um, you know, first and foremost, because I think we all know Exeter has a good, solid defense across the board. But my guess would be that Bedford will probably take their second-half attitude um, and their second-half game plan and, and, and that will be kind of the template for the, the Exeter game plan. I, I don't think that um, Bedford is going to try to cram the ball down Exeter's throat. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure they'll do some things to keep them honest and stuff, but I think they're probably going to take to the air a little bit more than they did in the first half of the Merriman. Yeah, they, they almost need to come out and, and play like that two-minute offense mm-hmm. right from the start, maybe build up a lead. I think what they almost looked last week, no one would say this, but it looked like they came out, Maybe thinking a little bit. Well, we're going to run as much clock as we can and keep the keep, keep the, ball the ball away from Merrimack, yep. and it wasn't it wasn't working. Right. Uh, you know, I I can't imagine them trying to do that against Exeter because that's going to be Exeter's, Exeter's game. game plan. Absolutely. You know, keep right. the ball away from 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 everybody. Yep. Um, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about the Division Two game. Sure. Um, you know, again, I, I a a I think a big surprise to everyone. Maybe not so much that Plymouth is in it. I mean, I I am a little. We said last week that this was probably the best chance of a upset of Wyndham was going against Plymouth. Yeah. Um, and sure enough, it happens. Uh, but Bo being in the final, I think, you know, a year up from you know Division Three. Um, of course, they were a solid Division Three program, winning it uh, 2013 semifinalist, I believe, the last or in in, in 2014, and then the uh, quarterfinalist in 2015. Um, you know, just kind of. I, I don't know. It's just amazing to me that they can that they're pulling this off. Yeah, the the uh, you know the cardinal sin of quote unquote being on the air is to be speechless. So, <laughs> but <laughs> but I'm I'm pretty close bit, to that yeah, given yeah. where Division Two has shaped up. I mean, first of all, um, what a performance by Plymouth over in Wyndham. I mean, uh, you know, I know firsthand. Um, we we've played Wyndham every year that yeah. I've been at Sauhegan, and we've had some close ones. Unfortunately, this year not so much, but never quite gotten it done against them. But they're good, and uh, it sounded like um, Garrett McComber 
almost single-handedly right. just just became Superman on the day and 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 uh, and beat Wyndham. Which I mean, Wyndham has their own marquee player in uh, in Victor Pizzotti, who is is just a, a stud in his own right on both sides of the ball. So, kind of an interesting matchup there between these two really marquee you know um prototype throwback type right, players yeah. right fullback two way players yeah, type yeah. guys you know um but it sounded like um McComer was exactly what coach Sanborn said to you which is he's one of the best players in the right, state regardless yeah. of of the deal and i and i think you know talking to to Plymouth Plymouth coach Chris Sanborn um on Monday you know it sounded like they went in there thinking you know, this is a good Wyndham team, but a one place that they really beat teams is on special teams, specifically with that onside kick. Yep. You know, I mean, they did it to Hollis in that, that first playoff yeah. game and kept the ball away from him for the second quarter, entire second quarter. You know, they practiced that all of last week, getting ready for that onside kick, and they didn't let it bother them. Yep. They also said that they practiced, the you know, what they would do on Wyndham's point afters and field goal tries that they saw something in the way Wyndham lined up that they thought they could exploit. And yep. sure enough, McComber did, blocks the field goal to, to win the game. It, it's interesting because we game plan uh, at Sauhegan for Wyndham in very much the same way. You've, you've got to have a period, which I'm sure is part of why they do what they do, right? I'm sure Coach Raycraft says, hey, if they're going to waste a bunch of time getting ready for um, you know two-point attempts or for the onside kick attempt or whatever, that's great. That's less time they're spending working on our power play and working on blocking mm -hmm. our defense and stuff. But you have to do that. Um, and, and so that doesn't surprise me at all that he said, hey, we had specific periods in practice where we, we, we drilled onside kick and things because we did that extensively too. It was probably the only thing in that game we did take care of well. <laughs> was they kicked one uh, yeah. to us, we yeah. returned it. Uh, not for a touchdown, but we had it. You know, we we nice up, yeah, they, yeah. they didn't do it anymore. <laughs> they, they didn't have to after a while. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that's that's but that's Plymouth, right? Plymouth very similar to Division One Exeter in terms of the meticulous preparation. Uh, the, the I think the mindset of the kids in the program is that very workmanlike and prideful. You know, uh, you know, uh, football big in the community kind of approach. Yeah. Uh, to the game, which by the way is something that Wyndham in a very short amount of time has built themselves into right. a tremendous yes, uh, absolutely. thing, a tremendous community thing, a tremendous sense of pride. Um, but it was a surprise. And, and, I, and I say that with the utmost respect for Plymouth, but to have Plymouth be coming off of a couple rebuilding years and go and take down a, a, a team uh, like Wyndham that was poised, uh, I think in a lot of people's minds, uh, is, is a huge win for them. So very interesting. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, Plymouth beat Bo during the regular season, 28-12 win. Talking to Coach Sanborn about that, um, you know, when he made it sound like they had no business winning that game, that they scored two touchdowns on a couple of Hail Mary-type plays. Mm. Bo fumbled going into the end zone. Um, and he, I, you know, was hung around. I actually went up there on Monday yep. and made the drive up to Plymouth. Uh, and, you know, listened to watch a little bit of their practice. And, and he was saying, you know, they looked at that game and said, we should have lost that game. Hmm. You know, Bo had us beat, and they probably are looking at the, that the same way themselves, that we can beat these guys, yeah. not to take them too lightly. And he, you know, he, his thinking was is that Bo has one of the better lines that they've seen all season. So, you know, I think on paper, people might look at this and say, well, it's four and seven. Plymouth, you know, they already beat them. This isn't going to be a close game. I think it's going to be, again, another close one that yeah. maybe people don't expect. Well, and, and, and two, you look at Bo, and y you, could, you, could, you could shrug at that and say, well, yeah, here we go. But, but, I mean, Bo beat John Stark twice. Right. John Stark, who was 
sort of a team of destiny. Everybody sort of expected them and Wyndham to be there yep. at the end of it. So, um, so you've got Plymouth who just beat Wyndham, which was kind of the regular season favorite uh, on that side of the fence, and then you have. Bo, who beat Stark not once but twice, who was also the regular season yeah. favorite on the other yeah. side. And by the way, both Bo, I mean, uh, both Wyndham and Stark had had certainly proved that they were worthy of right. that yeah. through the course of the regular season. So, man, I'll tell you, I don't. I, I think it's a really intriguing matchup. I don't think that you could for a minute underestimate Bo because Bo has proven just as much as Plymouth just did last week that um, they have come along and that they're for real. And I think it's going to be a, a really really cool kind of heavyweight prize fight type of game uh, with two very good lines and tough backs kind of slugging it out. Yeah. One thing I do want to point out here, um, looking at these these games, um, this is the fourth year now that, that we've got three divisions in New Hampshire. Um, looking at this year, of course, the Division One game is teams that have won, or not, excuse me, that have been to the final before. Exeter was there last year, Bedford two years ago. Division two, you get Plymouth that won it in 2013. Um, Division three, Interlakes was there last year. None of these teams won it last year, though. Mm. We're still we're going to have a different champion in yep. each division for the fourth year in a row. And Plymouth is the only team that's won one. So we're looking here at if my if I can do some quick math here on the fly, I probably should have figured this out beforehand. <laughs> yeah, don't but ask me for help. We're looking at potentially you know three divisions, four years, eleven out of twelve potential champions being. Maybe and could be twelve for twelve yep. if Bo wins. Different champions in each division in every divisions. year. I, when did that ever happen in the sixth division format? I don't think it ever did. No, no. You 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 definitely had your perennial, your perennial powers that. Uh, I mean, in, in some cases, you could almost kind of pencil in how they were going to finish one, two, three, four. Um, it, it, it is really cool, and as much as you could discuss the flaws of any system that that they're going to come up with, it is. Uh, I think a solid indicator that it's a a, a really a, a good step, right? It's a step in the right direction. What they've done the past few years, it's it's competitive. It's been entertaining, um, you know, on the positive and sometimes on right. the questionable yep. side. But yeah. it, it's at least been entertaining to talk about and write about. I'm sure, and uh, and and you know, again, what you just said is a, is a strong indicator for um, for the fact that I, I think it's meeting some of the intents. So. So yeah, I guess we'll see more <laughs> after yeah, I mean the you, end of this right, week. You do you do look at some of the teams that have been in there. I mean, you had Campbell a couple of years ago, you know, coming up with a couple of big upsets to yep. get to to win the D three's championship. Newport last year. Newport's one of the smallest schools in in the state, right? Uh, in terms of football, people kind of look at them. I mean, they've they've been good traditionally over the years, but they're one of the smaller schools. You had Goffstown last year, you know, winning Division One. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think this has been kind of refreshing I think for New Hampshire football because you're right it was getting to a point I remember when I first got up here and my first full football season was in 2006 and I'd say from about 2006 through I don't know 2010 you could sit there I, I think every year I sat there and I said well Sowhegan's going to win Division 3 Portsmouth's probably going to be the runner-up Division 2 it's BG and maybe Exeter, Exeter and then right. Winnicott it. Um, Dover was in there one year uh, you know, Division One. I, I think what Pinkerton has was in the finals. How many years yeah. until the last couple? Yeah. Uh, this Pinkerton is not even in it. This not year. even in the playoffs this right. year. Yeah. Which is unthinkable. Yeah, I think you know. You look at. We I think we talked about at one point, or I know it was mentioned at some point this year that Division One of the, s the twenty teams that have been in Division One, seventeen of them now have been in the playoffs. Yeah. 
I, I don't think that going in you would have guessed that, you know, no. you know, four years ago. Um, and I, so I guess this is a long way of saying I like these three-division formats. Yeah. I think it needs to stay this way. Yeah, I, you know, I think, I, I, again, I think you can take any of the formats and you can, and you can easily call out sort of some of the negatives to them, right? You can say, well, geez, this didn't work this year. Whoa, that was goofy. How did that team get in and not that team and things like that? And you're going to find that no matter what format. So if you really start to boil it down and say, what are you trying to accomplish? Um, you know, you want every team going in at the beginning of each season to feel like they have a chance. That those players are energized. The fan base is energized. Um, there's interesting stories to tell every season about it. I think if you're thinking about, if, if, is that the intent? Of, the, of a format, whatever format you put in play, then this has been good so far. It's yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly, I, I was thinking about that, and I just, you're not, I'm not saying it's perfect. Yeah. You yeah. know, clearly, you know, there were, I think, especially in Division Two, having 22 teams yeah. is something that needs to be considered uh, maybe for a change. You know, having, um, you know, the Division One playout, you know, all the other divisions crossing over there. And Division One staying one side on one side and the other on the other yeah. maybe needs to be looked at, um, but I do like the direction that it's heading, and I do like that they have been seem to be willing to change on the fly, maybe year to year, as opposed to waiting out those. Oh well, it's a two-year cycle; we got to wait till the end of that. Right. Uh, and of course, we didn't even mention the Division Three game yet. Yeah, um, well, there was some cool one stuff there, that happened yeah. there. Um, with with. I, I just I, I following Twitter during that game on Saturday and seeing the scores from Stevens Manadnock was just you know it's one of those ones that's like you don't I love seeing underdogs come out and win um, and it, and I'm sure it's heartbreaking like we said for for anybody from Manadnock to to lose out on that that season uh, reading stories about it it sounded kind of like as Stevens started coming back there was maybe a little bit of panic setting in. Um, but just what a what a story for them to, to to come back in that game. I believe this is the first championship game they've been in since '68 or '68 was the only time they've won a championship. Yeah, just incredible, unbelievable. And and the the story that really caught my attention was you had a sophomore quarterback for Stevens um, Bork mm-hmm. throw for. 346 yards, uh, and, and and that's with Manadnock holding. Stevens to like 70 rushing yards or right. something, you know, I mean, really yeah. stifled the run, which doesn't surprise me. I mean, Manadnock plays extremely physical and, and, and sort of uh, um, sell out defense to the run. I mean, they're just, that's their philosophy. It's that you're not going to be able to run, beat us with the pass, tip of the cap to you. Um, and, and usually that works for Coach Patnode. I mean, it, I, I can tell you firsthand, it's very difficult to beat them, um, especially if you're a running team because they commit to it. But to have a sophomore quarterback come in throw 340 some odd yards and and uh, and, and it, w- it, w- it was a comeback win if I'm right. not mistaken they were down right 20 to I believe seven six or seven yeah and ended up winning 26 20 yeah it is is incredible for Stevens I'm sure that the the guys over at Manadnock are heartbroken um, and and probably still trying to analyze what happened and I I saw what you saw which was maybe there was um, there was a loss of confidence pretty quick as momentum shifted um, on, on the Manadnock side. And again, you're talking about high school players. That's, that's, that's part of the game. You know, that, that's as much part of the game as the X's and O's or the weight room in the offseason is how well do your guys handle those momentum shifts? Um, and, and are they, you know, are they mentally prepared for, you know, how to, how to, how to cope with it when it goes, starts going not your way? So that could have certainly been the case. I, you know, obviously I wasn't there, but uh, – 
but I read up on it just because I was so fascinated in the in the result. Now, Stevens lost to Monadno 20-6 to six in the regular season mm-hmm. finale. You know, looking real quick at what they did against Interlakes, um, that was a 57-12 to 12 win uh, by Interlakes in the regular season. Wow. Uh, I'm, you know, don't remember what happened in that game, uh, if there were some injuries for Stevens or something, but, you know, uh, what they did last week has got to m- maybe make them feel a little bit hopeful that they can kind of make that a closer result. Of course, I think being there um, for the Lakers, Interlakes, Moultonboro is going to be a big deal. I yeah. know they've still got some kids back there. I believe uh, Andrew Brothers, Brothers is their running back. Yep. You know, he played in that game last year. Um, and I think that's going to make a bit of a difference for them. Yeah, well, I think you got to, you know, it's kind of like what we said last week. you got to throw some of the earlier results out, especially after what the, I think, the the confidence and the emotional lift of this victory is going to mean for Stevens. Now, obviously, you have to guard against that and not be overconfident, but the fact that they were, they were handled earlier in the year probably means they're not going to go in overconfident. That's probably not going to be a problem. But my guess is that Stevens is going to feel very good about themselves, that they, they are going to feel they're a very different team than the one that, that Interlakes Moultonboro had had, um, had beaten earlier. And and they're going to come out on fire and ready to play. So that, I think, uh, my, my guess is that's going to be a much better game than, uh, than uh, you know, regardless of who wins. And you might still give Interlakes the edge. Um, but it's going to be a pretty good game, I would guess, especially if, um, if Bork has as good of a game as he had against Manadnock. Should be, uh, uh, as it has been the last couple of years, a very interesting Saturday out at UNH, of course, starting at 11 o'clock uh, at the University of New Hampshire. Uh, all three games going on, uh, all in the same place in that new facility should be really, it's awesome. really enjoyable time. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess that just about wraps it up, though, for us. Um, once again, I'd like to thank Coach Lockman for coming out and joining me the last couple of weeks to talk about uh, playoffs. Um, been a great season i think yeah it's um, been a lot enjoyable of fun. time thanks f- all of uh all everyone that's listened to this throughout the year kind of uh, dealt with my growing pains trying <laughs> on a new for uh, a new format here with the podcast uh i th- hope you've enjoyed it i think it's gone well uh hopefully we'll be able to continue it into the winter season and uh, of course i'd also like to remind everybody that uh we are doing a uh, special publication this year uh to kind of commemorate the football season it's a, a football yearbook uh, you can go onto the website nh-highschoolsports.com to order it. Uh, there's a tab up at the top that says yearbook, or there is a story off to the side there that says get your football yearbook. Kind of right, th- click on that right there, and you'll be taken uh, right to the page to order them. Uh, you know, we'll be put. I'll be putting them together after football season. Should be ready to ship by mid-December. Uh, you know, you can always uh, reach out if you've got any questions. Uh, email us at nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. Again, for Coach, uh, thanks again for joining me. This is Joe Marcellina, and enjoy Saturday's games.